Welcome to Worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on August 14th, 2022. Pastor Rem Dias continues the Mark series with a gospel message from Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 21, titled, Do You Still Not Get It?
be back uh, with you guys. I mean that. I really mean that. Like, oh, of course he's going to have to say that. He's gone someday. Uh, I mean uh, it. feels weird not gripping this metal pulpit and looking out and seeing you guys on Sunday. Uh, and um, so uh, if you have uh, a worship guide, almost forgot what was next. Uh, we come to a time of renewal. And again, we're, we're basically just saying what that song we just sang, we're, we're going to do that. We're just saying, I need you. Um, because, newsflash, you probably came in here a little broken this morning. And if not, come talk to me after the service. I want to know what you're doing. Uh, because uh, I come in here in the, I come in here uh, with uh, needing to sink my teeth deeper into Jesus. I need it. And so we're going to look at the text, we're going to see the text, and it exposes our hearts, and then we're going to fall upon His grace again. So Romans chapter 3, 9 through 12, uh, it's a dude, it says this, what shall we conclude then? So Paul, it's like, oh, that's, Paul just got done explaining <laughs> the way of, uh, you know, arguing, uh, and it really, he's, there's some in the church that say, hey, we're good cause, just because we're Jews. And he says, do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we have already made the, the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So... That's not my word, by the way. That's God's word to us. You might think that's really just uh, like, oh my gosh. To me, there's some encouragement in that because it means I can't come in here and get something out of myself. I need something and someone outside of myself. And so that's what we're doing. Um, can we just fall upon His grace this morning? Take a deep breath. And let's just be aware as we take the time of silent prayer and confession who we are going before. So let's let's do that.
passion and zeal for the lost. And so I just pray, come, we're, we're coming expected. Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the shirts are a part of So, man, so much here. Chapter 7, 24 through 8, 1. In Romans, Paul is like, What a wretched man am I! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Savior. So then I myself in my mind am, I, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. And that's a promise that you need to get up out of your seat and want to say, hey, can we say the amazing grace? Yeah, yes, you can. So let's say and do that.
yourself, when I'm out open for a Sunday, woo, I just might yell, I might just scream, it might be an hour and a half long sermon, no, um, it'll, be, it'll be great. Um, uh, just, uh, just a reminder again, um, got to have some, uh, small groups are starting in September, you probably uh, got the emails, um, and then there's a, there's a small group packet on the little stand as you walk out of the sanctuary um, back there, uh, just about small groups, but here's what I say about small groups, we all have blind spots, and you don't necessarily see them, and guess what, uh, that's why God created community. Uh, God created community so we can bump into each other and be like, oh, hey, brother, uh, sister, brother in Christ, uh, let me, let me, let's, let's point each other to that. So I know it's a commitment, and I know it is, uh, but that's how we're forming it. We want to grow in grace, encourage you uh, to, yeah, to check out the small groups uh, starting in September. So, uh, hey, we've made it. Everybody just give yourself a, a pat on the back. I, I don't even know how many sermons we've been in, Mark, but we have, we have come to the halfway point. Okay? So, great job. And guess what? This is the last sermon in Mark for quite some time. So, uh, if you're all marked out, um, then, then you can guess. You're okay. Uh, next couple Sundays, we'll spend some time. I, I'm going to do some standalone sermons, no series. And then we're going to We're going to jump in to First Timothy. And hang on, it's going to be a wild ride. Um, Timothy is boom, 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 right in the face. A lot, of, a lot of stuff going on in Timothy. So that's where we're heading. But today we've got 21 verses. Ooh, 21 verses to go through. Mark chapter 8. Here we go. It's on the screen. If you don't have uh, a Bible in front of you, but if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open up match, uh, Mark chapter 8. Here we go. Starting verse 1. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days, and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint away. And some, and some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground and took seven loaves. And having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate, and they were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people when he took them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Galilee. The Pharisees came and began to argue with seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread. <laughs> and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. 
And he cautions them, saying, Watch out! Be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not understand? Huh. How do you preach that? I don't know. I'll find out. Uh, title of this message, Do You Still Not Get It? Turn to your neighbor and say, do you not get it? Yeah. Turn to your other neighbor and say, come on, get it already. Smack him in the head. All right. No. Shoot. We got this. All right. Here we go. Let's pray. Lord, um, you know, it's, uh, it is amazing. It's amazing grace that we're, we're centered around. And Lord, uh, I pray that there's... There's hard things in here, there's comforting things in this text, Lord, and I just pray that you would just make me a faithful servant, shepherd of this text. That, Father, I would have, I would execute it well, I would go through it well, but I would also help us not just to see it in our minds, not just by understand the text in our minds, Parts and minds, maybe how it's even structured, but let let us know deeply in our hearts, like bring about a deeper faith in all of us, and then that we would be full to Jesus. We would be. Amen. Uh, I'm going to pick up my dad a little bit this morning. Um, I had a great dad, I had a great family growing up, and that's seriously like a blessing. Uh, but I was thinking about myself a little bit too. I was a slow learner. Alright? So like this whole getting back to school thing gives me some old PTSD because I'm like, ah, school and me were just not, I mean, I was a kid who had to go out of class, go to the special reading room, and I was a slow learner. I have no idea how I have gotten A's in seminary. No idea. I don't I don't get it. Uh, but uh, slow learner here. And I remember <laughs> just a weird memory, but I remember once my dad trying to help me with math. Alright? And um, <laughs> we sit down and you know, it's kinda of late at night, and he's like, you know, hey Brandon, you know, he's getting all excited. If you've met my dad, he's just he's just bubbling this guy. Uh, he's trying to help me, he's all excited, and I'm just, I don't get it. Uh, dad, I don't get it. And he's like, okay, okay, you know, you know, you know he's trying other other ways to help me with this math problem. I'm like, I, I don't get it. I just said, ah, dad, I don't get it. He, then he goes into the kitchen. He comes back with a bunch of food and these cans, and he's like, all right, here's five cans, right? If I get two more cans, and I add them to the five cans, and you know, how many, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry here. He's like, okay, you know, I get it, Matt, I see, I can see that. And, and I started getting it a little bit, and I, I was like, oh, okay. And then we get back to the, we get back to the problem, and I remember, like, nothing. I didn't get it again. And my dad, he's so sweet. He's just, he's, friend, do you not understand? Like, I remember his broke through. He's just, no, no more, no more nice guy. He's just like, you might get it, 
I don't know, come on, you're not bad. It's so real, I'm sorry. He's like, okay, well, let's, let's try it again. And he just kept trying to work with me through that. I was like, man, I know I'm not supposed to pray my dad to Jesus, because my dad is not Jesus. Uh, but I was like, man, when I, when I read this text, I thought of, I thought of that. Because you read this text, and you're like, how are you not getting it, disciples? How do you not understand? I mean, he has been pouring. I mean, look at the gospel, man. I mean, he's been pouring out who he is over and over and over and over again, showing his power, showing his glory. And there's those like, ah, I just don't get it. And here's where we need to do heart checks this morning because often when we read scripture, we think, oh gosh, how can the Israelites? How can the disciples? Oh, how could they? Maybe I'll move on. But we can't roll our eyes at that. Because is this not often us? Like, think about it. Like, we get in here, you might have like a great devotion time. We, you like Sunday morning, oh, my pastor, he really brought it, that song this morning. And then Monday morning hits, and it's like nothing. You don't even remember the thing. Tuesday afternoon, that schedule starts filling up. Those chores around the house, back to school on Wednesday. And it's just like, you're done. You're wrecked. There's no more bread. Jesus is not on the throne. What is happening? How quickly, how quickly do we veer our hearts? And we just don't get it. And so, how do we help that? Like, what does this text say about how do we get our hearts? And, and this is going to be oversimplified, but do you understand what I'm doing up here is not just showing you what the, what the text says. That's great. Expository. We want to be expository preaching. We want to show you. But if I just showed you, that's not, that's, that's not it. What the aim is, is to get your heart plunged into Jesus. We want to be a congregation that just loves Him, that knows Him, like not here, here. And so that's where we want to be. That's where I'm going to push us this morning. As we end up watching some of this stuff, my favorite feet, but I want to plunge. Can we just plunge our hearts? Can we be more satisfied in Jesus? And as we do, I think we'll start to get it more. So um, that's where we're headed. Uh, so here we go. First observation I want, to, I want you to see. We're going to see this in the first ten verses. Jesus satisfies us with power. I mean, with his compassion and power. So he satisfies us with compassion and power again. So verse one, here we go. In those days, a great crowd gathered again. Now that is, uh, it's a very important to get because you have to ask the question: Where is Jesus? Does everybody want? You know, you don't have to shout it out, but think: Where is Jesus at this moment? And I'd be really impressed if you knew because the text doesn't quite say Mark uh, eight, um, but you have to go back in Mark seven. And a little uh, two weeks ago, we learned that Jesus was in Tyre and Sidon. And what do we know about Tyre and Sidon? Not such a good place. Like, yeah, all right? Because that's, I mean, it just wasn't a good place. But what was Jesus doing in Tyre and Sidon? He was healing the Syrophoenician woman. A woman that was a Gentile, it was a really Gentile, horrible kind of place. And, and then he goes, from there, he goes into the region of the Decapolis, which he healed uh, a man. And, and so... 
This is where it's at in those days. So he's still in the region of the Decapolis. He's like, hey, what was that big deal? This is a geographical region. Well, here's why. It's because this is primary Gentile region. This is primary Gentile region. And you're like, well, why is that a big deal? And I'm like, okay, this is great. Because in Mark 6, like I don't know if you caught it, but he just fed 4,000 people. But what happened in Mark 6? You remember, I don't know, it was like four weeks ago, five weeks ago? He fed the 5,000. He fed thousands. And where was he there? He was in Galilee. He was in a Jewish predominant area. And now he is doing, he is multiplying bread. He's showing that he is satisfying in a Gentile region. Now, here's why that just pumps me up. Because again, two weeks ago, we saw that he healed this Seraphonician woman, meaning that yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's going to all nations. But man, we're really getting here that Jesus is bringing all types of people to himself. He is crossing every line. He's like, hey, I, I've come for the nations, every tribe and tongue. It, there's no one excluded. And so, I, this might be kind of even an aside, but I want you to understand if, it's probably a little bit, but it's okay, it's my first Sunday back. If you don't like diversity, if you like, hey, I just want people that are my tribe, my, my type of people, my type of way of thinking, and you're not going to like heaven. Like, uh, you don't, you got problems with diverse people, and people, groups, and tribes, and it, you might be like, heaven's going to be a trouble for you. Because, like, this is going to be every time, every mission. And so that's, again, this is what Jesus is saying. It's like, hey, I'm fed, it's satisfied Jesus, but I'm going to go in, I'm going to do it in this Gentile region. And notice, oh man, this is good. Notice, Jesus has compassion on them. Because they have been with him three days. Circle that in your Bible. That's a great detail. And having nothing to eat, he, he got worried. He got worried about them that they would even faint all, all the way home because they had come from a long way. Now here again, we have some differences between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. So a couple of differences here, right here in this text. In the feeding of the 4,000, I mean 5,000, Mark 6, Jesus has compassion like he has compassion here. But he had compassion on the feeding of the 5,000 because what? Do you remember? They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And here, in this text, why is Jesus having compassion? He's having compassion because of their physical health. There's a physical health here. And why is he worried about physical health because I had to circle it because they were with him three days without eating. The feeding of the 5,000 was only one day. Three days. This, okay, this blew my mind. Because you have a, remember, you have a primary, a Gentile audience and they don't want to leave. 
They don't want to leave where Jesus is at. They, they want to stay there. And I, I just sort of think about when did it, when did it click for them? When did they click that they had need? Like day one, it's like, oh yeah, Jesus is teaching. And uh, man, I'm getting a little hungry, but man, I really wish I had a chewy girl right now. And, and I just don't, and, oh, okay, it's, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Second day, uh, he's eating, I mean, they just had eaten. And it's like, you know, it doesn't matter, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And then finally the third day comes, and they're like, I don't even care, it's, it's Jesus, but then Jesus cares. <laughs> and he's like, man, I need people. This Gentile audience was not desperate for bread, but for Jesus. Jesus. They weren't desperate for bread, but for Jesus. I used to make fun of uh, those people in a few dumbs who used to stand in lines for movies. You know these people? Like, the movie comes out, and they used to just stand in these lines, and they would even, like, dress up like the characters in the movie, and, like, camp out, just because they could do it. And I actually did this once. I didn't dress up, don't wait for me. I didn't dress up, I, I, I didn't camp out, I didn't stand in line for Lord of the Rings, it was the greatest movies ever. Uh, and, I mean, who would? Uh, but I, I started thinking about that, and I was like, oh my gosh, th- that's this attitude. That's this attitude. They're just desperate. I just want, they're saying, I don't care about hunger. I just want Jesus. Now, I'm going to be honest. This text, that part, really changes yeah. my heart this week. Because how great am I doing at trusting in Jesus' compassion? Really. Desperately, I just started thinking, desperately just wanting to be with him. Trusting and knowing Jesus is enough. Literally, they had a greater desire for Jesus than they did to flee. As if I put him, and, and if we put him first in his compassion, his compassion is going to have providence over our lives. That doesn't mean everything's going to work out just how we want it to. But how, how, how often, like, I thought about it, how often do we wake up in the morning, again, maybe it's just a window into your pastor's heart, and I wake up in the morning, and I start thinking of all the things I have to do, and I think, oh my gosh, I can't take my Bible and pray and read because i gotta, I got to get going. Like, this week, are you kidding me? We have so much to do. And I, I mean, I can't take time, extra time to pray and thank and, and, and read and really... And how to, listen, do we not understand? If we put Jesus, if we put Jesus foremost, do we not think he will have compassion on us? He, see, again, our hearts, our hearts are hardwired to wake up and think, okay, how can I cry? How can I get, how can You've got to do that. Just strive, strive, strive. And when we start waking up and our eyes are laser focused here and we don't look to him, then we fall into what the disciples fall into. Um, when it says right here, the text goes on and says, and then and they, they said, how can one feed these people in a desolate place? 
It's like, Jesus, hello, uh, how are we going to do this? <laughs> and again, it's just like, you're kind of like, ah, what? They allowed the problem, they solved the problem, they solved the, the weight of what was going on, all these people who were okay, to outweigh the fact again that Jesus is right there. But I want you to notice something. Is, yeah, this was so weird. He doesn't really rebuke them this morning. Does he? Maybe. He doesn't rebuke them. But he gets the seven loaves. He says, okay, what do you have? He gets the seven loaves. He, and he's two fish. And the Greeks actually interest like, you know, like sardines. Like a whole different kind of fish. And, and, and he multiplies it and feeds them. And there's... They're satisfied, and there's baskets left over. And so again, I look at this, and I think, okay, when we miss it, how do we miss it? We miss it because we're not laser-focused on what Jesus can be and will be in our lives. When we say, okay, you're first, I don't care if there's no bread here, I'm just... I'm looking. I'm trusting. I'm leaning into your power. I love it how Paul Tripp says it. He says, divine compassion and divine power is the equation of saying that's all you need. Jesus is divine compassion plus his divine power is all you need. That's all you need. Are you getting in life? Like, stop thinking about it. Is he enough? Are you getting it? Are you satisfied? Because that's what the text is calling us up. Do you understand? Do you understand? Is then how he how we helps us understand even more in the rest of the passage in second observation? Jesus calls us out. Like, calls you out. I'm call you out so that you will remember. Um, he calls you out so that you can look back and you can have always focus on who he is. So, it's interesting what Jesus does. He goes to down the Israel, cross, so he crosses, that means he's crossing to the other side. He's going to the, now he's going to the Galilee region. That's where down the Israel is. There's some debate where actually down the Israel is, but it is. It's on the eastern side. And so, He's met there, he gets there, he's met there with Pharisees who begin to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Okay, look at that. They wanted something to demonstrate what he was already doing. They wanted to seize his authority, his power displayed. And how does Jesus respond? What does he do? He sighed deeply. And oh, that's not like, wow, I better explain it. And I was like, oh, we've been in the car 12 hours already. How are they not? No, I'm just kidding. Can I get an amen? No. Thank you. It's great. It's great. But he sighs deeply like, oh, how are you? And he says, why does this generation seek a sign? No sign will be given, not, and he got into the book. This is terrifying people. 
He gets into the boat and goes to the other side. You, we cannot miss the serious warning here. The Pharisees are coming and they're seeking a sign. They get, you know, they're coming to Jesus and like, hey, show me something, show me something, show me something. And Jesus is like, I have been. I have been. I, you know, I've happened to be, I have, I've, I've been demonstrating my power. And Jesus, listen, Jesus turns his back on them. Don't, that's just what the text says, right? I mean, am I seeing it? I mean, he leaves them. He rebukes them with a sign. to like, what are you doing? Your hearts are so hardened. If they're so hardened, I'm just going to have to go back to the other side now. And here's the warning, folks. Listen, like, if you haven't been paying attention, turn on the ears because... Yeah, like our, our, the name of our church is Grace. Amen to that. Grace. I was talking to the pastor, though, the other day, and he's like, I think I have preached so much grace that there is licentiously in that congregation. And what he meant by that is like, yes, come here. You don't have to work to get to God. Absolutely not. Like, it's Jesus. It's just Jesus. You come to him, you fall on it, and, and it's his grace. Amen. But grace never calls wrong right. Grace never gives you motivation to live a reckless life. Grace isn't, oh, it's grace, so I don't have to pick my Bible up and, and dive into it. That's not great. Like, you have to be aware that if we get used to the things of God, that's a dangerous place to be. And it's also a dangerous place to be if you come in here and you keep hearing the gospel and you keep hearing these things and you're and you're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to keep my heart. Like, that's real. He's all jumping around all the time. And you're, you're like, heart gets, you know, a little more harder, a little more cynical, a little more cynical. That's a dangerous place to be. And I would say the, the, the clear sign is turn, 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 like fall. If your heart's growing stagnant and hard, kind of cold toward the church, towards Jesus, just no. Don't do anything else today. Get, get in the bathroom if you have to. Get all those kids, lock them out. Put some headphones in. Get on your face and say, Jesus, renew in me a heart that is soft. A heart that says, I don't just want to go through the motions. I understand that. Thank you for your grace. But don't let it in. Used to it. Because the heart of God is patient. He is, right? He's not, right? Like Peter tells us, he's not, he's not wanting to come back because he's wanting more people to repent and believe, but you better believe there is times when God's just like, okay, that's what you want? All right. So, it's such a serious problem that Jesus even starts to dive into their hearts a little bit because what's he do? He, he goes across, he's like, he goes across the sea. Matthew Pharisees like, oh my gosh. Let's get back in the boat. We better go to the other side because these guys. And he's on the boat. I think he's on the boat. And this is what he says in verse 14. They forgot to bring bread and only had one loaf. So uh, I think, I, I, I mean, this is conjecture. So take a word. I do think Jesus has the bread in his hand at this moment. I think this is not a blessing. So I think he takes the bread and he says, 
hey, watch out. He takes this one book and says, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, that might sound like, what are you doing? What is he talking about? Is leaven good? Is it bad? I don't know a lot about leaven. There's a lot of sourdough going on in my house, and you got to feed it and all kinds of stuff. But I think it's a complex situation. But, and that's what he's... That's what he's kind of doing here. And, um, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's saying, okay, leaven's like, it's like yeast. There's just a little bit of it. It goes a, it goes a long way, and it, it permeates the whole loaf. Again, I don't know, and it, it raises. And, he, and this is what he's saying. Leaven's not really a good thing. Like it is in the baking world today. Like we, need, we need some yeast. We need some, I don't know, sourdough, feed it, whatever. It's got to go. But here, he's saying 11. That's not good. The 11 of the Pharisees. And get this. He says the 11 of the Pharisees and who? Herod. So he's taking the, the pastors and the preachers of the day, the Pharisees, and he's comparing it to Herod. These two, I was like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, what in the world did they have in common? You're saying the pastors of the day and Herod? The guy who just like wants like take a pick up him. You there's actually something in common. Yeah, what's in common? Their unbelief. Their self-centered, self-reliance, hard-heartedness. And Jesus is saying, watch out for that type of heart. That leaven. That is, ooh, watch out for it. And, and this is an aside for a moment. Uh, I started thinking about leaven and the way it just comes in and it spreads. And the way that leaven's not bad. And it's often kind of linked into sinfulness later in the New Testament. And I just want you to be aware of something. This is heavy on my heart. God's going to you. Sin never just affects you. You realize that? Like I think we we lie to ourselves sometimes. And we think, oh, it's just my private sin. It's just like like I'm, no one really knows about it. It's my sin, and I come here and I can confess it and sign this prayer confession, and no one really knows about it. It's fine. I can keep the confession, and God is graceful. I, okay, your sin. Let me just hear, hear me. Your sin is not just affecting you; it's affecting everyone around you. It affects your husband. It affects your wife. It affects your neighbors. It affects your coworkers. It affects your kids. Parents, it hurt me. It, it's affecting, and so, so like, listen, congregation, can we not play around with sin? Like, the Christian walk is not okay. We just need to avoid sin. Everything's just avoiding sin. No, it's about action for Jesus. But we do need to make war on our sin. We need to make war on it. So how does the disciples respond? Verse 16. They began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Now, you think, what? And again, we're like, uh, Jesus just got done explaining this serious problem, like hold up this bread, talking about leaven, this huge object lesson, and they're like, uh, Peter and Andrew like, hey, uh, he's, he's just got one bread, man. He's just got one loaf. Oh, boy. Oh boy, he's got one loaf. Wait, I don't know, man. Like, 
Jonah, why didn't you grab the rest of the baskets? Like, why is Jesus got one word? And they just miss it. And I started thinking, it's kind of like a pastor gets up and he's like pouring his guts out. He's like yelling and screaming. And, you know, just like, ah, come on, get it. And, you know, just pouring his guts out. And then you get into the parking lot and you get in and you buckle the seat up. And you're like, did we have a different shirt on? Is that a new shirt? And it was kind of baggy. It wasn't like He's trying to make a little too Western games or something. And it's just like, ooh, you didn't get it. And it's like, that's exactly what is happening. It's like, what are you doing? They're actually, the disciples are showing that they're in danger of the same problem that the Pharisees had. So hard in their hearts, but not yet. And I love it that Jesus... Jesus gives them a lovingly rebuke. He kind of lovingly, again, he's calling them out because he gives them, and you can count them there, seven rhetorical questions. Some think there's nine, but I think you put two today. I mean, right after they say that, there's all these questions. It's like, why are your hearts so hard? Why do you not forget? And then he, I love it that he says, um, he asks them, he's like, okay, okay, hold it. How many loaves did we have left over for the five thousand? Peter's like, twelve. And then they're like, okay, how many for the seven? They're like, I mean, the seven. And notice the text says, as it goes on, he says, do you not yet understand? That's a powerful word, yet. He's being patient, but he's not washing his hands of them. And notice, this is not, he's not intended to shame them in this moment, uh, but this is a calling them to remembrance so we can instruct them. He is like, hey, what are you doing? And that is a, that's what we want Jesus to do for us. We don't, we want a Jesus that comes to you and says, Hey, what are you doing? How do you not get it? And again, you cannot roll your eyes at them because this is us. At so many times, so many levels, this is us. I mean, again, we're, we've been asking this question, who is this Jesus? We've been spending, eight, I mean, all these sermons in the Gospel of Mark, and we've been seeing Jesus heal uh, you know, casting out demons, healing the sick, walking on water for crying out loud, right? And then we even have this book, which we call, again, this is inspired word of God, and it's a breath on a page, and we can get our hearts soaked in here, and then again, it's like, we can say, the 17, or, man, I've got conversation I've got behind this person or I've got this and we quickly we, we quickly fall into the problem. It's Jesus. And I want you to get something. If we learn anything again in this text, it's that Jesus' death never runs out. 
He satisfies, satisfies, satisfies. And He is a... Our God is a gracious, merciful, heavenly Father. Again, I talked about my dad earlier on. And, I mean, I had a, I had a great feeling. And I, that's not everybody's testimony. Thank God for that for me. Um, but I just remember, I could just, because I could, with my dad, I trust him. I just, I knew that, like, I could, like, you know, I'm, I'm walking through the house, we call Pop Tart. And something's breaking down in the house. I'm like, you know what? It's okay. I'm just keeping this pop tart. My dad's got it. We're on vacation. Something breaks down. Well, it's all right, Dad. Just turn up the radio. It's okay, Dad's got it. We're, you know, my parents are arguing about money. Conversation going on about money around the dinner table. Like, I, I'm here in the room. I'm like, it's okay. It's all right. We go back to the uh, Legos and run outside. It's okay, man. They got it. And why? It's because I have a dependence. I have a trust. My dad's got it. He's good. And our Heavenly Father is a perfect and he's so much better and powerful and stronger. And so, listen, listen. You can trust. I'll pose like this. I love it how uh, I kind of took this from kind of remember a little bit. He said, "Imagine that you were a, imagine that you were actually in the crowd, okay? You saw Jesus take seven loaves and, and multiply it to you. Imagine you're in the crowd and you come home and you're asked, hey, what happened? It's like you, it's like you could respond as a, a cynic. You could be like." Well, here's what happened. You know, it was we're there, and Jesus is like feeding people. But I, th- I think I, I thought I saw the disciples like sneaky bread, had a little, had a little behind, behind that block. I, I, I don't know. It was kind of, it was kind of shady. I don't, I don't really know. You could respond. You could respond like that. You could respond. Maybe you could respond like a bored Christian, and we're inside. I don't know, stop asking me. Jesus was talking. Is there anything on Netflix? I don't know. Just. Where's bread? What's. Or you could respond like a child. You come home and they're like, what happened? Let me just tell you, it was crazy, but Jesus was there and he was speaking and it was so good. No one cared. No one cared about the food. Like, I mean, until like day three, like some people puke because they were so hungry. Like, I'm not going to puke. I haven't eaten three days. It doesn't matter. Jesus is there. This is so great. And, and then Jesus, it was crazy. He had these two little sardines and, this, and, this, and all these fish and, I mean, and, and all this bread. And he multiplied it. And the bread was so good. It was like Panera, but so much cheaper. And it was so good. you got to know about this, Jesus. Listen, I mean, I don't know what else to do as your pastor. I wanted to do this series and ask the question, who is this Jesus? Because honestly, I don't know if much else matters. If you miss who you know Jesus is. 
and our response to it as a congregation. Our response, my prayer for this church, guys, is not cynical, cold-hearted, just, let's just make everything. No, I don't want us to kill us like that shot, like, Jesus, like, holy cow, it was Jesus. Oh, my goodness, this is what he is. This is what he is to me. Like, I don't care if I be. I don't even care if we haven't done this. As a, you know, I don't care if I have all this stuff. It, I've got Jesus. And that is more than enough. It's more than enough for me. You found the wrong church if, if you get tired about Jesus because it's the only thing we need. And who is this Jesus? Was like this. This Jesus, I love how Charles Spurgeon spells it. This in Charles Spurgeon, we had this monstrous pastor. I mean, he's this amazing pastor. One probably the most famous pastors ever lived. He said this in his last sermon, 40 years, 40 years, his last sermon, he says, if there is anything that is gracious, generous, kind, and tender, yes, lavish, and super abundant in love, even seven baskets left over, you always find it in him. These 40 years I have served him and found nothing but love from him. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, Jesus, you are so good and powerful. And I pray that, Jesus, if, if in our hearts this morning we came in here not getting it, I pray that, that this text, by the power of the Spirit, would write even now, just let it be a sentence, let it be uh, a word, a phrase, something that would sink down deep right now into these people's hearts, into this amazing congregation, and let them behold you, you, Jesus, fall and love by the power of the Holy Spirit, be putting, leaning into you, putting more faith in you, and as they're doing that, watching the weak and all of the things popping up, heavy on their chest fall. Because you're the one that can take seven loaves and feed thousands. You're the one that's in our boat. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would help us to love you, to cherish you, and then as we do that, you would draw us to
to this particular church body, which we are about the mission, the gospel being forth and make it in the nations. It's in your heart to give. There's a black box. I mean, again, exit uh, sanctuary. You put your donations in there. There's also ways to give online. So, encourage you to do so. Let's stand. Um, we got a new song. I don't know if you guys are going to talk about it, but uh, only on what we got. Yeah, some of us are a bunch of us anyway, and it's gonna it's gonna ask a series of questions, and every time they answer the questions, they're gonna And every time after we ask, ask these questions, we're gonna come back to the course which says, "Come and hold the, the one and only, cry out, sing holy, forever, forever holy." So I think this is, as we finish this message, this encouragement from Rev to just always look to Jesus and depend on Jesus. Let's just come and, and worship. This whole guy
Now to him who is able, him, Jesus, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Grace Lakin. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Lakin KS, on YouTube, and at gracelakin.com.